Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Discam. Pharmacists who care. And good morning to you, and uh, thank you so much for joining me. My name is Kathy Kayley. Kathy Kayla. Welcome to the Discam Medical Monday, and uh, I'll be your host for the next hour. You know, often we're reading and we're hearing about omega-3 fatty acids this and omega-3 fatty acids that, and they do everything. They drive the car, they, t- they look after the kids, they do all the typing, they clean the windows. And uh, I thought, you know what, let's get in an expert and let's get the absolute lowdown on omega Three fatty acids because one week they'll say that they, you know, you're reading a newspaper article or something on uh, one of the news sites and it says how brilliant they are, and the next week it's how terrible they are, and the next thing that they're excellent, and you know, it kind of blows hot and cold. So, uh, joining me in studio is Richard Sutton. Oh, thank you, and welcome mm-hmm. back. If, uh, if you've missed any, anything that Richard has said, then you need to get to his website at suttonhealth.co.za and uh, go and listen. To this guy, he is a. He has advised some of the top sports people in the world. He was responsible for the, I think, nutritional management or the health management of the uh, of the Chinese Olympic team in Beijing. Uh, of course, they've they won those Olympics. Yay! Um, he has he has a very very long resume, and uh, boy, has he got a black book of people that he's, <laughs> you know, a little a little black book of. Uh, People that he's helped around the world, from Martina Navratilova, Tommy Haas, um, our local national teams. So, uh, Richard Sutton, welcome back. Hi, Kath. Uh, thanks for that amazing intro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never quite sure what to say because, it, you know, it's like, which ones should I pick? Do you know what I mean? No, it's it's, no, it's, it's uh, kind of spoiled for choice. Very complimentary. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So, we're talking about omega fatty, omega-3 yeah, fatty acids. Exactly. Marine-derived specifically. Um, they... Science is considered to be the most important nutrient complex in the in the human diet, and uh, the reason why is because most biological functions in the body are totally dependent on omega threes. Almost every system is dependent on omega three fatty acids. Yet we don't produce them ourselves. We actually most you know B vitamins we produce most most vitamins and and compounds in the body are actually produced by the body, but omega three fatty acids have to be derived from diet and um, especially from specific components of diet like from fish or marine sources. And the problem is in the last few decades our dietary patterns have changed so profoundly that it's uh, that it's impacting our nutrition within the space, and uh, we're seeing greater degrees of omega three fatty acid deficiency than ever before in history. Which is ironic because a lot of those foods that produce omega-3 fatty acids are more available to us than ever before. You're 100% so right, why? yet they've been adapted over time. So a good example is salmon. You know, So salmon used to be one of the richest sources of omega-3 fatty acids. And uh, since the advent of aquaculture or farm salmon, uh, we're seeing a massive decline in omega-3 fatty acid concentrations in salmon themselves, which I'm going to expound on a little bit later. But it's very interesting as to why that's occurring. So the traditional source of omega-3 fatty acids are becoming less and less rich in omega-3 fatty acids. Um, and uh, it, it poses a problem, but supplementation can obviously uh, be a, a solution in that regard, which is very, very positive. But if, if you look at historic ratio, uh, ratio According to an article published in the journal Experimental Biology and Medicine, the traditional ratio between omega-3 fatty acids, which normally are from a marine source, so cold water fish uh, is a prime right, so example. So sardines, Sar- mackerel. Exactly. So, uh, salmon, sardines, mackerel, um, 
tuna is also high in omega-3 fatty acids. Um, so these typical sources, when compared with vegetable oils, you know, so like canola oil, sunflower oil, avocado, um, a variety of different nuts. So those are normally omega-6 fatty acids. According to this particular article that was published uh, quite recently, the, our ancestral diet was basically in the region of one to one. So we had one part omega-3, marine-derived omega-3 fatty acids to one part vegetable oils and fats. And that really um, was the ideal ratio in terms of our genetic patterns. It was also the ideal ratio in terms of facilitating the way our immune system works, our cardiovascular system works, our nervous system works. So all these systems were totally dependent on those ratios. But if you look at the trends that have occurred in recent times, you know, you look at data coming from the U.S. And I always use, you know, there's so much research from the U.S., one, because it's an English-speaking country, so I can't really look at data coming from a lot of the European countries. But two, most of the top researchers in the world from Europe and from around the world actually migrate to the States because all the funding is there. Right, it's so, very well funded. Yeah, it's very well funded. So a lot of great studies are, are coming out of the States because of the funding. But um, if you look at what the research is, is showing now, the ratio between omega-6 fatty acids, so the plant oils versus the marine-derived omega-3 fatty acids, we're looking at a ratio of 20 to 1. Now, remember that our genetic material is is perfectly primed for a 1 to 1 ratio, and now we shifted to a 20 to 1 ratio, which Does, is lending itself to, to a very negative biological uh, set of circumstances. Can you please just translate for me into beyond <clears throat> what you mean by ratio? Okay, so basically the consumption. So we let's say we had 10 grams of oil in our diet. Five grams would be coming from omega-3 from marine sources and yeah. five grams are coming from plant sources, you know, vegetable oils and, 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 and the likes, you okay. know, different variety. Now what we're seeing is, you know, this, this huge contribution from the plant oils and a minimal contribution from the marine derived, um, fatty acids. And that's, that's really shifting things in a very negative way for, in terms of our immune system, in terms of cardiovascular system, in terms of, um, you know, kind of our nervous system. So many systems are compromised, but the American trends are, are also being seen elsewhere in the world. Uh, there's also quite a, quite a bit of, uh, research in Europe at the moment, and according to researchers from the Food and Health Research Center at King's College in London, the dietary ratio between the plant oils and the marine-derived uh, fats um, are at a ratio in Europe of 15 to 1. So that's also, you know, so the state's are a little bit higher because of a more kind of modernized, westernized diet. Europe still held on to some traditional uh, dietary practices, but we're also seeing very disproportionate ratios in Europe, you know, as, as well as the states. And, you know, although, you know, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of research is showing that you know all these systems, your know, immune system, cardiovascular system, nervous system, uh, our genetic material, all function well on these optimal ratios. When we corrupt these ratios, disease follows. So it's basically the pathogenesis of many diseases has its roots or origins in this disproportionate ratio between the marine oils and the plant oils. And if you, there was actually a study published. Uh, it was a Harvard study published in the Journal of Public Library of Science in 2009, and it just investigated the modifiable factors um, responsible for premature or preventable deaths in the U.S. And it basically found that a deficiency of omega-3 fatty acids account for 100,000 deaths every year. So basically not getting enough marine-derived oils accounts for a significant number of deaths every single year. We don't know what the ratios or, or the statistics are around the world, but that that is, uh, I mean, it's off the charts. I mean, it's, a, it's a, what a statistic. Also, another thing that's quite interesting is if you look at 
the dietary trends of the countries that have incredible longevity and low disease profiles. A prime example is Japan, highest life expectancy in the world. I think it's 83, 84 years old. The average person in Japan will live to 84. Lowest rates of cancer, <laughs> lowest rates of cardiovascular disease, especially in the but rural. But the whole lifestyle supports that. I the mean, whole lifestyle, exactly. They don't, they don't fry a lot of their, their foods. You know, they've, they've got like their sushis and they've got their, their boiled foods and there's exercise and, you know, there's, so there's, there's so many factors that contribute to their longevity. There's even a, a small genetic component that contributes to their um, longevity. But at the end of the day, if you if you look at the ratios, you know, this was actually according to a study published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, the ratios of the marine-derived oils versus the plant-derived oil, oils in Japan was 4 to 1. So if you look at the it's states, to 20 to 1, Europe's 15 to 1, Japan, which has the greatest longevity, has the highest contribution in terms of their diet of omega-3 fatty acids. They are a big marine, you know, or fish-consuming culture. Uh, if you look around the world, all the countries with a high longevity, so Norway, Iceland, Sweden, what do they have in common? Fish. Big, they consume big fish. fish-consuming countries. Uh, Italy, Israel, Spain, also high longevity. These are, these are countries where the average citizen will live to 82, 83. Um, and you're seeing that all these countries with this incredible longevity, low, low disease profile, all have a history of a high consumption of omega-3 fatty acids, normally marine derived from. This is incredible. So, Richard, if I had a plate, if I had two plates in front of us and I said to you, um, here's 100 grams of, of salmon versus 100 grams of, uh, sardines. Which one would you choose? Oh, there's no question the sardines. You know, okay, so... so, so I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. I'll jump into like, salmon for a second. Okay. I mean, because salmon is a contentious issue. So, I mean, we, we do eat it almost three times a day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, kidding, exactly. Kidding. It's, it's very, very much part and part of our culture. So, you know, it's... And the, I just want to explain why the sardines. And I'm going to go into why not salmon first. So, you know, for, for years there's been media reports as to the dangers of the consumption of farmed salmon. So the, if you live in Europe, you're going to see them. If you live in the States, you're going to see them. Or North America, you're going to see these reports on an ongoing basis. But you don't basis. see them here in South Africa. Well, we don't, we're not a, as big a salmon. We certainly, we've just started producing salmon. Uh, we, I think we're the ninth country, salmon-producing country in the world now. Um, it's, it hasn't been part and parcel of uh, the general uh, dietary trends. I mean, within our community, we consume a lot of salmon, but the general dietary trends is not uh, a major food source. But certain, you know, there have been certain experts and, and very well regarded experts like uh, Dr. Anne Louise um, uh, Bjorg Monson, who's uh, a senior consultant from the Hawkland University Hospital in Norway, who's basically been saying that, you know, pregnant women, children should not be consuming salmon for a variety of different reasons. And she's uh, somewhat of a specialist. I mean, she specialized in pediatrics, medical biochemistry, micronutrients, nutrition. She published well over 40 papers, a very credible person. And she's like screaming, you know, that... Uh, do not consume salmon at all costs, and there's a variety of different reasons. To understand why she's so opinionated within, within the context of salmon, one has to go back into the literature. And uh, basically the journal Science was the first in 2004, was the first to expose as to why salmon is not good for one's health, you know, farm salmon. 
basically six research centers within the USA kind of collaborated to perform this this evaluation of global salmon. So all the eight producing salmon regions in the world were evaluated. There are two metric tons in the in the study, and some top uh, researchers, Ronald Height, um, who's who's probably one of the top specialists in uh, you know kind of uh, the behavior of potentially toxic organic compounds, and Jeff Foran, um, who's uh, an expert in toxicology. These guys collaborated, all looking at whether salmon is healthy or not. Not healthy. So, as I said, they evaluated two metric tons from around the world and looked at all levels of the food chain. So, basically, from the farm directly and also on the plate in the sushi restaurants and so on. And what they found was was actually came as a complete surprise because one wouldn't expect it. You know, the oceans are pristine and clean, we would think, but they're, they're not so clean and pristine. What they found was there was significant contamination burdens in farm salmon as opposed to the wild variety. Was in that from their stress? I mean, it's quite a stressful environment for them to live in. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't want to be a salmon living in one of those pens. I mean, it's, it's yeah. you're looking at a million, you know, some of the bigger pens have a million salmon in a very contained area. And, uh, you know, not to mention you've got sea lice as an issue and you've got, you know, excrement that's just absolutely destroying the seabed. I mean, there's there's a whole number of reasons why you wouldn't want to be a salmon. but. But uh, what they basically found was um, high levels of 13 organochlorine chemicals. Okay, so these these are chemicals that include that are actually banned in most countries. Uh, that include polychlorinated bisphenols (PCBs), uh, dialdrin, toxaphene, and dioxin. So these these chemicals are highly toxic. Where does mercury come into it? Mercury. They found mercury, but mercury wasn't the issue in salmon. Mercury is an issue in other fish, which okay. I'm going to expound upon a, a little bit later. So basically, if you look at research from 1995 to 2009, it shows that these chemicals are associated with numerous major health issues. So behavioral disorders are one of them. Uh, memory impairment, decreased IQ, neurodegenerative disease, which is plaguing uh, the human population at the moment. Most, Many forms of cancer are linked to these particular compounds. Uh, ADHD, the development of autism potentially, and skeletal abnormality. These are all um, health issues that are linked to exposure to these chemicals, and these chemicals are especially high in salmon. Now, this was in 2004. Now, they published this data, and there was a big uh, uproar, and, and things were, were poised to change. There's a, lo- a lot of like uh, uh, environmental watchdogs that have emerged, and, and it's a very positive thing, and the industry definitely is changing. But you would think there would be substantial change, because the next major study was in 2011, and it was published in the journal Environmental Toxicology and Chemistry, and it looked at these organochlorine levels. Are, are they at the same levels, or are they not? And what they found was heavy metal contaminants and these organochlorine chemicals were 11 times higher in the farm salmon than when compared to the wild salmon. The wild salmon now become contaminated in the in the last, you know, kind of uh, period of, you know, since the 2004 study and the 2011 study. So we're seeing not much of a change. So we, we can assume that there's still a high degree of contamination in salmon. Now, a large... You know, part of the reason as to why salmon is believed to be toxic is because of the feed. You know, if you look at salmon in their natural environment, they're exposed to small pelagic fish and, and, and you know, uh, marine algae and all very positive things. And they grow and they thrive and, and, and they're That's healthy. part of their whole ecosystem. Exactly. But now, okay, according to the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, salmon feed contains a variety of very toxic compounds. Um, just I'm going to list some of them. Animal byproduct meal. Heaven knows what that is. Poultry byproduct meal doesn't sound good either. Meat meal, blood meal, hydrolyzed feather meal. 
Um, you've also got so, pork very- bar products, genetically modified grains. This is now what the famine, salmon, famine, the salmon are eating. Um, and it's completely unnatural to them. Where, where on earth would a salmon in its natural environment find chicken or pork? <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it's, or modified grains. Exactly. Or, so, so it's a combination of their feed. It's also a combination of the fact that they're using these toxic, you know, something called endosulfine um, to manage sea lice and, and just just because of the density of the fish. So it's probably a combination of the feed. But one has to understand that all marine-derived omega-3 fatty acids does not come from fish flesh, although that's where we get it from. It comes from algae. Really? And when salmon and when other small fishes are, are living in the wild, they're exposed to algae, and the algae basically builds up in their systems to form this EPA and DHA, which I'll expound on a little bit later, and basically becomes concentrated in their flesh. Then we eat and we derive the benefit. Now their food, their, 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 the whole kind of food chain has changed. They're not exposing themselves to, uh, to algae. The actual content of omega-3 fatty acids in salmon is exceptionally low in farmed salmon. They say it's at least 50% lower than in a wild salmon, and the fish itself is 40% fatter. So we, Notice that. Yeah, I've so noticed that, that over the last few years. When you're eating uh, salmon, it's actually getting fatter and fatter, and there's like the white layers of fat that, that separate the muscle. Like the, in, in the they're not exercising, fish. I guess. You know, <laughs> you know, so they're not swimming very much and they're getting fed, you know, fattened up. And, and, but, but fundamentally, I mean, so if you look at the Environmental Protection Agency cumulative risk assessment methods for PCBs, toxophene and dialdrin, basically the recommendation from top organizations in terms of the safety of salmon and consumption is two portions, 250 grams there or thereabout, every five months. So that, that's what these big organizations are saying based on these contaminants found wow. in farm salmon. I think it's a bit dramatic, and I think things have changed since 2011. Yeah, like but, twice but I think, a week most people yeah, are eating are Well, eating I think once fish. a week should, should be okay with, with farm salmon. But, but that's, you know, just, uh, you know, it's something we have to consider. So you ask sardines or salmon. Now, sardines are wild. They're small fish. You know, kind of the… Oh, a sardine run in Durban at the moment. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. So sardines are relatively uncontaminated, exceptionally low in mercury. Um, it's a very, very safe, very high in omega-3 fatty acids, very safe option. And they exercise. Compared. And they're very active. Yeah. And they're very, very active. So, so that's, that's, that's the story in, in terms of salmon. All right. Um, I'm speaking to Richard Sutton. He's a neurovascular practitioner he, amongst, that's just one of his, mm. one of his caps. Um, he doesn't take patients. So this is your time that you can actually get access to Richard. Uh, he only does – that's right. Are you still not taking patients? No, I don't take on your patients. I, <laughs> no, I consult and I, I give talks, and, and but uh, no one-on-ones You still do corporates? I still do corporates, okay, but no one-on-ones anymore. Okay, so it's like anymore. wellness, wellness in the corporate environment. Um, if you've got any questions, if you've got any comments, we're talking about omega-3 fatty acids, where they come from, the impact that they have on your body, and it's really – it's – Bottom to top of the entire issue. So at the the end of this hour, you will have a very deep understanding of omega-3 fatty acids. I'd love to hear from you. Get in touch. Uh, You can SMS 34519. Alternatively, you can WhatsApp on 062-148-2374. My name's Kathy Kayla. This is the Diskem Medical Monday. Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Diskem.
Pharmacist to Care. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Kathy Kayla. This is the Discam Medical Monday. Today we're talking about omega three fatty acids. We hear about it. It's jargon. It's a you know it's bandied about. One week it's good for you. The next week it's not good for you. So when uh, we get the the load down on omega three fatty acids, and I've invited into studio a neurovascular practitioner. His name is Richard Sutton, and uh, he has consulted to some of the world's biggest companies, to Olympic teams, to athletes. He's got a CV as long as my arm. And, uh, you know, he really does know. So he, I've asked him to come in. He's got a very, very good way of simplifying issues so that we understand them. And uh, if you've got any questions, let us know what they are. If you've got any comments that you'd like to make any insights that you'd like to share, then why not do it on 34519, that's the SMS line. Alternatively, you can WhatsApp on 062-148-2374. Do it now. All right, so Richard, we're speaking about omega-3 fatty acids. We're talking about the ratios. Your ultimate ratio is a 50-50. So, your uh, best case scenario. Best case scenario. Practically impossible 50% of your, yeah, 50% of your omega-3 is coming from marine sources and 50% of your omega-3 is coming your fats. from... Your fats. Your fats, omega-6s. So you've got oh, omega-3s, 6s, 9s. But just a balance. It's just basically what we're saying is we need to create balance and our, the ratios have become kind of offset because we're not consuming enough marine-derived omega-3 fatty acids yeah. and we're consuming too many vegetable oils like canola oil, sunflower oil. Um, something I'd like to cover in the future is coconut oil. It's become very contentious. This health uh, fat is now become… This? Yeah, all of a sudden it's terrible. It's yeah, so there's one it's article published uh, <laughs> by, by the American, uh, I think, uh, Cardiology Association. It was in on June the 5th. If I remember correctly, um, and it's, 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 it really it's turned, shocked me. When it's, I saw it's, that. it's turned things around, but there's more to the story. It was a very small extract in the paper that they published, uh, and it, there, there needs to be some clarity on it because there's, right. there's a lot more to the story. So maybe we do coconut we'll, oil. We'll in coconut a few oil weeks. for sure. We can in, do in ingredient by ingredient of your grocery <laughs> cupboard. Okay, uh, so fantastic. So what do omega fatty three uh, omega three, three fatty, fatty acids, acids? What do they actually, do for you? Right. What do I, they do for us? So they actually do quite a few things. Um, the first is that they actually lower inflammation in the body. So most diseases have their their roots or origins in inflammatory processes. And over the last four decades, actually there's been four decades of research, animal and human studies have reliably shown that um, omega-3 fatty acid supplementation or consumption will suppress inflammation and have a very positive effect on a variety of different inflammatory diseases. So whether it be MS, whether it be uh, allergies, asthma, depression. Even depression, yeah. You, you know, said depression. depression is a big inflammatory disease. Now, the, the interesting thing that, that emerged in, in, in a study that, a very recent study, it was a collaborative study between Chinese and Swiss researchers and was published in the journal Immunity, was that it doesn't just suppress like inflammatory cells or proteins or molecules, they're called cytokines. So it, it doesn't just suppress them, it actually shuts off inflammation at the source. So it inhibits something called, it's a protein called NLRP3, an inflammasome, and basically that's a protein that regulates all inflammatory reactions in the body. And omega-3 fatty acid consumption, regular intake, will actually shut that down. It's like turning off the light switch for inflammation. And that is absolutely remarkable. There's very few things that we know of that can actually shut down inflammation at the source. So a lot of things that can mask inflammation, that can suppress it downstream. But in, within the context of that, that central mediating factor, omega-3 fatty acids almost stand alone. And this is after four decades of research. So that's one positive thing. So that's how it affects our immune system. 
Another very interesting thing about omega-3 fatty acids is it actually makes us smarter. It upregulates our cognition. Uh, in 2014, there was a team of researchers from the Department of Neurology at the University of Berlin that published one of the top, study, top types of studies. It was a double-blind randomized interventional study that was basically showing that ongoing omega-3 fatty acid supplementation results in significant cognitive improvements in human subjects. And they even identified what it was. It was through the upregulation of a very specific protein in the brain that gets you know, which is responsible for brain cell formation, retention, connectivity, and everything that goes along with, with proper brain function. Basically, the study involved 65 subjects. So it wasn't the biggest study, um, who are either given 2.2 grams of fish oil or placebo over 26-week period. So it was a very extended period. But what I liked about the study is that when they measured um, the participants in the study, they used neuroimaging, so they used brain scans, and they also used a series of cognitive tests. So at the end of the study, what they did is obviously looked at the, peop- the control group and looked at those that supplements with omega-3 fatty acids. And what they found is those who supplemented had enlarged brain mass. So a certain region of the brain actually grew in so that 26-week period. Yeah. And they also found that their cognition scores were markedly higher than at the beginning of the study, which is quite impressive. Now, it was a quite a controversial study because – Six years before, there was a Dutch study, also one of the, 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 the double-blind interventional study. It was published in the journal Neurology. And it also sup- had individuals, the whole group of individuals, supplement with t- for 26 weeks with omega-3 fatty acids and looked at cognition. It wasn't, there was no neuroimagery on, on the study. But what it found was no change. So here we got a study you know, in 2014, major changes, absolutely remarkable. And six years before, we were finding the same length of time, you know, um, no change whatsoever. So the question, what was the difference between the two studies? And there was a marked difference. The Dutch study involved 400 micrograms to about 1,800 micrograms as a dose per day, whereas the German study involved a much higher dose. So we're seeing that dose definitely determines whether there's a positive effect or not, mm. which is quite remarkable. And a lot of the studies that haven't been effective within the context of omega-3 fatty acids and health outcomes have either involved too low a dose or the fact that what they were consuming was high in mercury because mercury and omega-3 fatty acids have a very antagonistic relationship. So, But it's, it's quite remarkable. So I mean, if you're looking to upregulate your, your brain functionality and, and it's something that becomes very fragile as we age, um, omega-3 fatty acids provides a, an ideal platform for... To be for, drinking it, like 500 mils a day. Well, supplements... Well, fire. <laughs> <laughs> there, right. there are some who, who are extreme in that Unsigned regard. Unsigned SMS, is it sufficient to have the omega fatty acid capsules? Yes, absolutely. It's a great question. And um, I'm going to cover, you know, the exact doses of omega and the the best products. uh, And would those be coming from vegetable or marine derivatives? Because, I mean, if we're going back to the ratios. They actually come from a variety of different derivatives. So so some oils come from either the marine sources, anchovies, mackerel, sardines. Tuna, uh, herring. Salmon. Is herring also herring acid? as well? Yes, yeah. yes. So, so some come from like a variety of different fish. Sometimes smaller fish, great option. Uh, some come from salmon. Some come from krill. And then you also get the algae itself. That is the omega-3 fatty acid fundamentally. Um, you also get supplements that are the algae itself. You also get flaxseed oil, which is a, a kind of a, a vegetable alternative. It's an omega-3 fatty acid, but it's a different form of omega-3 fatty. It's actually very different. Um, you know, just to to as an aside, um, if you look at the differences between marine and plant-derived omega-3 fatty, you actually get plant-derived omega-3s and you get marine-derived omega-3s. But the marine derives are, 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 are normally from something called icosapentaenoic acid, EPA, 
or docosa hexanoic acid, DHA. So all the studies on the positive outcomes of omega-3 fatty acids are based on EPA or DHA. Now, plants contain an omega-3 fatty acid, but it's not either one of those, not EPA or DHA. It's actually alpha-linolenic acid, which has to be enzymatically converted to these advanced forms of you know, omega-3, so EPA or DHA. So if your system is healthy and you can convert very effectively, the plant forms will be very good. And the plant forms can include linseeds, pumpkin seeds, walnuts, chia seeds, green leafy vegetable, all fantastic. But if your system is somewhat sluggish and, and not operational, and as we get older, we get less efficient, it's very hard to get that conversion process up to scratch where we can actually benefit to the same degree from the plant sources as opposed to the marine sources. So, But I've mentioned you know, two things now. I've looked at cognition, the nervous system. I've looked at uh, uh, inflammation. But also omega-3 fatty acids can be very powerful in behavior. The way we behave, the, our, our emotional profiles can also be influenced by omega-3 fatty acids. And it's largely through the influence on serotonin. The, I don't know if uh, you're familiar with serotonin. It's a neuromolecule that influences behavior. Uh, it influences digestion, sleep. Uh, it even uh, influences uh, memory to a certain degree. So serotonin and dopamine – yeah, the, the neurotransmitters like that, the, that channel they, they the brain. They make you feel good and well-being. You get a sense of well-being with them, right? In different contexts, uh, dopamine has more to do with attention and focus, and serotonin has more to do with emotional integrity. Now, a big issue with serotonin at the moment is one that a vast majority of the serotonin in the body is produced and housed in the digestive tract. So anything that we're eating that is not agreeing with us can affect our serotonin production. There's really? certain cells in the gut called enterochromaffin cells, and they produce the serotonin. And they're under the influence of the bacterial colonies that reside in the gut. In fact, 60% of the production of serotonin is determined by the bacterial colonies that reside in the gut. So if you're not taking probiotics or if you're taking antibiotics quite regularly or if you're taking cortisone medication, things like that, it can create a huge disturbance in serotonin, which can affect behavior and mood. Um, but you also have to understand that stress, which is so prevalent in our society, is associated with the hormone cortisol. And, and stress is not just just emotional stress, physical stress, um, you know, just not sleeping enough, just over-exercise and things like that can also elevate cortisol. Now, cortisol has a very negative uh, effect on serotonin synthesis, serotonin production, um, you know, and, and that can have a, a very lasting effect or a significant effect on, you know, all the things that serotonin is responsible for. There was a very interesting study um, by uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick and, and Bruce Ames, and they were from the Nutrition and Metabolism Center at the Children's Hospital Oakland Research Institute, and they published a study on the effects of omega-3 fatty acids on serotonin. It's not that omega-3 fatty acids facilitate the production of serotonin. They actually facilitate the behavior of serotonin. So serotonin gets released and gets absorbed by cells in the brain. And what they found was that omega-3 fatty acids determine the effectiveness of the release and uptake of serotonin with the brain. And if you don't have omega-3 fatty acids, you can't use the serotonin that you've got in the body. And serotonin is already being compromised, and this can manifest in a variety of different behavioral disorders, digestive disorders, sleep disorders, a variety of things. So here we're seeing that omega-3 fatty acids are a strong determinant of integrity within the space. It's a, like we can, we can say it's a neurological continuum, but we're seeing omega-3 fatty acids hugely influential in that area as well. Gosh. So, Richard, um, I want to know about where, what food sources specifically. Um, and also, I want to talk about supplements um, before we run out of time. Sure, sure. So, um, I just want to let our listeners know that uh, 
His name is Richard Sutton. <laughs> My name is Kathy Kayla. <laughs> and uh, we're talking about omega-3 fatty acids. Uh, are they good? Are they bad? What do they do for you? If you've uh, missed, if you just joined us recently and uh, you've missed the beginning, uh, then get to the website, com, or you can also get to Richard's website, which is uh, Health Seekers. No. Sutton Health. Interesting adaptation. It's uh, suttonhealth.co.za. And uh, I don't know where that came from. You need need some omegas. I need need about a liter this morning. Um, And uh, you can go and check out and listen to some of his other podcasts as well. So uh, you can access it, but... Yeah, just get in touch with any insights that you've got, any questions that you've got. We're talking about omega-3 fatty acids. And uh, how do you get in touch? 34519 is the SMS line or 062-148-2374. That's the WhatsApp number. And, uh, yeah, we, that's what we're talking about. All right, so let's just talk about uh, the sources. Absolutely, absolutely. So as I mentioned, there are vegetable plant sources. So those plant sources include linseeds, pumpkin seeds, walnuts, chia seeds, and green leafy veg. Not as effective as the marine sources. The marine, best marine sources are salmon, sardines, mackerel, tuna, anchovies. But you have to understand, as I mentioned with the salmon, is that there could be a certain degree of contamination present, uh, especially in some fish species, um, especially the larger fish, the bottom feeders are, are more prone to contamination. And the big concerns are to do with methylmercury, uh, polychlorinated bisphenols, dioxins, and organochlorines, which I've talked a little bit about. Where does the mercury come from? So is the it mercury comes in from the industry. It actually oh, comes really? from industry, and it's in the water. So the World Health Organization considered methylmercury as one of the top 10 chemicals of major public concern. It, it is absolutely detrimental to health. Mercury is, uh, methylmercury is associated with damage to our nervous system, immune system, digestive system, all the big systems of the body. It's also um, attributed or associated with damage to our lungs, our kidneys, our eyes. And developing fetuses are particularly vulnerable, so I expect the mothers have got to be very careful about uh, removing the mercury risk or threat from their from their diets. Um, if you, you look at the Environmental Protection Agency, what they have to say about mercury, it results in visual disturbances, muscle weakness, poor coordination, cognitive impairment, loss of memory, poor attention, loss of executive function. This is what mercury can do. So we can't over-consume fish in certain species of fish we've got to actually stay, stay away from. Now, the problem with mercury is that you think that you can heat it so you can wash it and it goes away absolutely not you cannot get rid of the mercury content in the fish it's bound to the muscle the cooking process actually solidifies the mercury in the fish it doesn't remove it now according to a 2003 research article published in the journal environmental health perspective 95% of the mercury you'll expose yourself in the food chain so you know the fish that you eat 95% of it will be absorbed and taken up by body tissues within 48 hours 95% in the body now, the problem is, and this is according to a study published in the, the journal Regulatory Toxicology and Pharmacology, is that the average adult body will take 90, 70 to 90 days to remove that mercury that you've consumed. Gosh. Now, that's just of one single exposure. Can you imagine exposing yourself day in, day out, day in, day out? And so what you're going to see is the regular consumption of contaminated fish is going to be associated with accumulation of mercury in the body and a whole variety of health issues that, that I've described uh, previously. There, are, there is some good news in terms of elimination. There's 122 articles um, currently that exist on the, the merits of sweating as a means of removal of heavy metals and uh, other waste. So if you have had a lot of fish in recent years or, or recent months, just 
exercise more, get in the sauna, get in the steam, try and sweat as much as you can. You're a big supporter of that, hey? I'm a big supporter Not just of exercise, that. but actually perspi- perspiration. Yeah. Persp- uh, unbelievable. And how, for it, how the it gets rid of toxins. And, Not yeah. all toxins, but certainly heavy metals. Um, in fact, the Journal of Environmental and Public Health cites 24 studies with exceptional standards that prove this point, you know, that, that support this point. So let's talk about consumption guidelines. How much fish should you have? What type of fish should you avoid? That's, so what they say, if you, if you want to get omega-3 fatty acids, you know, the, the optimal amount in, in your diet per week, you're looking at about 350 grams of a variety of fish. So that basically equates to two or three small servings. Now, the CSIR recently published a report on the concentration of mercury in fish sold in South Africa. So it was actually a very extensive report, and it was compiled by Dr. Brent Newman, and he's an expert in marine and estuarine chemistry as well as ecotox, uh, um, toxicology. So basically, based on the report, the safest fish that you could consume where you can actually have between 13 and 36 portions a month with no ill effects, only benefits, would include sardines, German sea bream, West Coast sole, mackerel, and Cape, Cape knife jaw. Now, I've never heard of Cape knife jaw. I'm sure you have to live at the coast to know what it, it is. Sounds dangerous, yeah. But it's, it sounds exotic, and it's, <laughs> and it's apparently very healthy. So, so those are the safest types of fish, and the, the sardines are exceptionally high in omega-3 fatty acids. So what about something like anchovy paste? Um, I don't think – there's no there's – no, uh, there, there's certainly no toxic burden in it. But uh, you don't know what – I mean, maybe there's sugar and there's other things – so I don't think anchovy paste is the best source of. Uh, of Look, the, we live the best in land, so we don't always have the same the, the fresh fish availability are. that that they have at the coast. So any sardines, it's not likely that we're <laughs> going to get fresh fish. It's going to be tinned yeah, or, or frozen or. But yeah. but yeah, so sardine, the fresh obviously the fresh variety is best. Um, I'd have to look into anchovy paste, but I don't see any downside to it. To be quite honest, I, I don't think there's anything negative to it. Now here's the list of. The, the the fish that you've got to consume moderately. So according to the CSR, CSR report, you shouldn't have more than 4 to 10 portions a month of the following fish. No more than 4 to 10. Yellowtail, hake, shod, rock cod, stump nose, cabullo, dorado, angelfish, red roman, Steambrus. Oh my gosh, this is okay. like the, the, the specials list for every restaurant. Uh, well, if you're lucky to get, I mean, half of those fish are endangered, but, but, um, so those, those fish you've got to consume in moderation. Cabalio. Cabalio, believe it or not, cabalio. So four to ten portions a month at, at, at its upper limit. Now here's the list of the fish that you have to be very, very careful with. You've got to consume in moderation, uh, like serious moderation. We're looking at two to three portions a month at its upper limit. Cape salmon, tuna, kingclip, mussel cracker, farm salmon, and garrick. Never heard of garrick. Also, but, never uh, heard of garrick. <laughs> but it's apparently a fish that you've got to consume in moderation. So those are the fish you've got to be very careful okay, with. Okay, so let's say this again: cape salmon, cape salmon, tuna. Okay, tuna we kind of know. There's but been tuna, enough. We eat it. We eat it all the time. Tin tuna, exactly. But you, we've you know, got we've to cut back. Uh, this is according to one of the best reports on the topic in South Africa. Um, you can actually Google it. Brent Newman, CSIR, gives you a full list and guidelines. And this, and this, according to this, we shouldn't have it more than twice a month. Two to three times a month. So that's that. What about that school is, sandwiches? Exactly, exactly. So tuna mayonnaise, toasted cheese. Okay, so so we've got to cut back. Certainly cut back. I mean, if you're having 50 grams, it doesn't really matter. But we're talking a portion of 250 grams or thereabout. Well, that's um, a whole week. And then and. Yeah. That's a whole week for <laughs> yeah. 50 grams, right? Yeah. 
So, so it, you know, so if you're having a, a tin of tuna a week, uh, you probably get away with it. Also, tin tuna is not as bad as the fresh tuna for a variety of different reasons. It's the type of tuna. Um, Cape salmon, tuna, you said? Uh, king clip. So some some individuals do and don't, depending on your religious decisions. According to your beliefs there. So king clip, um, you know, so those who are eating king clip, you've got to cut, you know, it's as bad as tuna, according to CSR. Um, but there also there's also a group of fish that you, you basically can't even have one portion a month. Um, and that would include bluefin tuna. Okay, well, that's highly illegal anyway. Yeah, and swordfish, which we don't eat, so that's that's fine. But um, so so it's it's quite a broad spectrum. You know, some fish are exceptionally safe. You know, like the sardines, the German sea bream, the West Coast sole, Gosh. and some fish you've got to be very careful. Cape salmon, tuna, kingclip. Um, so it's 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 good information. You know, it's certainly it's something that one can use. But if you you know if you're a little bit nervous about you know what what fish is right, what fish and rights and you don't want to take a chance your, your one of your best options is supplementation and uh, a, you know there's absolute I mean the, the range of supplements at the moment's off the charts it's exceptional but that um, also becomes a problem because how do you know so that's uh, well you're going to know after this because I'm going to explain how, how you know how to choose so according to Grandview research um, the the value of omega-3 uh, fatty acid supplements at the moment globally is at 26.5 billion U.S. dollars. So every year, that's the value of the market, and everyone's trying to get in it. Um, it's, it's big business. And there have been concerns regarding the potential for omega-3 fatty acid supplements to contain methylmercury, PCBs, and dioxins. And most most studies have shown that they're actually free of all of those. They're actually purified enough to to not increase your risk of contamination. This being said, it's advisable when you choose a supplement to make sure that that supplement is a purified supplement. Just it should state on preferably third-party tested or independently tested, and it should contain either sardines, mackerel, or anchovy. You can opt for the krill option, but then it has to be, uh, you know, organic. And there's, there's other issues with the krill, but my suggestion is sardines, mackerel, anchovy, or marine algae. You know, so that's that's. Would now, that be like spirulina? It's no, it's marine, marine algae. It's marine algae. So okay. you'll see it's a, uh, it's actually a supplement saying marine algae. Spirulina most... is a, another type of algae. Okay. Now, the issue with omega-3 fatty acid supplements is oxidation. So in the manufacturing process, if it's exposed to oxygen, you're going to have the development of free radicals. It can render the oil rancid, causing a discoloration, pungent smell, amongst other things. But it becomes completely unfit for human consumption. So if the oil does become rancid, you can actually get sick from the oil as opposed to derive benefit from the oil. And this is what makes it very tough because you don't know what products have been you know, kind of manufactured under very stringent and, and, and uh, optimal conditions. And you don't know which haven't been handled well and, and so on. So for, for me, the best, the best alternative or, or certainly the, the best way forward is to consume the actual oil itself because if – it has gone off, you will smell it, you will taste it. So I prefer to actually use the oil, take a teaspoon or two a day, um, and that way you'll know if this oxidation How process… How do you take it? Teaspoon a day. And you just put it in your no, mouth? No, it's, it's normally flavored with a lemon. No, it's actually oh. not bad at all. It's, it really? Is, yeah. Um, I find that I don't have any, like, uh, sensation. You know, so a lot of people have, like, when they take the capsules, they, re, like, a repeat. No, it's like the, when, you eat kip, when you eat kippers, yeah, they're very friendly like, fish. They yeah. keep saying hello the whole day. <laughs> exactly. But uh, I don't find I get that from the oil. The capsules, I do feel that a little bit. So my suggestion is if you can go off the oil, if you can stomach the oil, 
definitely choose one of the, the, the leading brands of omega-3 fatty acid oils. Must be third or independent, third party tested or independently tested. Um, just, just, you know, that's, that's a very important thing. In terms of dosage. Can you give us some names? No, I can't. I don't think it's fair on 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 the companies. I, 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 <laughs> okay. I think just just go for the high end. All I can say is go for the high end products. Uh, preferably, uh, a lot of the oils don't have to be stored in the fridge until they're opened, but that's my my particular preference. Don't the lower end of the market. Try and steer away from. You don't know how stringent the manufacturing conditions have been. Um, but but yeah, there, there are some products that have huge you know certain brands that have huge reputations at stake, and they're going to make sure that the quality of the product is maintained. Okay, so go with the. Let's with talk the about dosage. Mm. Okay, so according to the European Food Safety Authority, it recommends that uh, your plant-derived omega-3 fatty acid intake, you know, so things from linseeds and pumpkin seeds and uh, from walnuts. And chia and all of that. Uh, exactly. Should be about 0.5% of your total energy intake per day and your marine-derived about 250 micrograms per day. Okay, so that's if you look at, you know, for capsules, about half a capsule is actually not that much, you know, if you're going to supplement. The so world- how come that hasn't got the ratio? What? Your dosage isn't in the same ratio, isn't in the 50-50 ratio. Um, that you started off talking about. Oh, uh, oh no, it's, no, because this is just omega-3 fatty acids. It's, okay. not, it's not a combination of omega-6s and 9s, whatever. Oh, so okay. you're trying to create an imbalance to create a balance. Okay. Okay, but great question. Now, the World Health Organization recommends the daily omega-3 fatty acid intake uh, <laughs> constitute about 0.5 to 2% of total energy consumption. So of the uh, total energy of the day, just make sure it's – and that can come from plants and come from marine sources. The International Society uh, for the Study of Fatty Acids and Lipids recommends healthy adults take – 0.7% of their total caloric intake from plant sources and a minimum of 500 micro, uh, milligrams of uh, EPA or DHA per day. So whether it comes from fish or whether it's supplemented, it doesn't really matter. If I were to say what's the ideal supplement dose, I would say 500 to two, 500 milligrams to 2 grams a day would be the ideal dose. So if you look at a capsule, it's between 2 and 3 capsules a day. Um, if you're taking uh, fr- the oil with a spoon, it's, it's two, 2 teaspoons a day. Um, some people like to take more. Um, I, I don't think more is necessarily better, but just remember a lot of the studies on the lower doses actually actually don't show major outcomes or positive outcomes attributed to omega-3 fatty acids. Is there anything that you should not take them with? And and the reason I'm I'm mentioning this and asking this, Richard, is that a few weeks ago I did a, a show on medi- um, medicinal interactions. So, for example, if you're on statins, you never have grapefruit juice or grapefruit because it can actually be lethal or fatal, right? Um, so is there anything that if you're taking these omega-3 fatty acids that you shouldn't take within an hour I think it's a, such a great question, and and to answer your question, there's nothing that I'm aware of. It's a nutri, it's a nutrient or new, uh, in a supplement form, a nutraceutical, and it's something that we've been exposed to over thousands of years. Um, it's it's something very natural in our environment. So there's no general indication. If you're taking it with me- certain medications, um, you actually can't take high doses of omega-3 fatty acids, uh, anticoagulants, and things like that. You know anything because it can have uh, it has a very positive effect on the cardiovascular system. But uh, it sometimes can interfere with certain medication because the effect is too good. Right. Um, so so some, sometimes certain medications are contraindicated. Um, but you've got to speak to your doctor in, in that respect. But, you know, you know I've, I've mentioned, you know, a lot of positive effects, you know, from a neurological uh, benefit to, 
to immune benefit, but probably the most profound, just going back to last, uh, the last uh, show that I was on, going back to the, the most profound and most influential effect of omega-3 fatty acids, that effect is actually on our genetic material. So last uh, couple of shows, or last show, I was talking about something called the telomere, which is basically an end of our oh, chromosome. Telomeres. Yes. Okay. So that <laughs> creates uh, chromosomal stability and helps with replications and, and is probably the most important factor in, you know, kind of health span and lifespan. And there was a, a very powerful study. It was in the Journal of the American Medical Association in 2010. And basically, it wanted to look at the levels of omega-3 fatty acids in the bloodstream and was it associated with changes in telomere length? You know, so how did it affect our DNA? And basically, they monitored uh, 608 individuals over a period of five to eight years, and they measured the individuals before um, the study started and after a five-year period. And what they found is basically that the higher your levels of omega-3 fatty acids, the more stable your genetic material and the healthier you are. That That's basically the, the summary of the study. Mm-hmm. You know, and if it's affecting you on that level, it affects you on all levels. And, you know, I mentioned cardiovascular outcomes which is you know it's which is very you know it's, it's associated with a lowering of triglycerides it lowers blood pressure omega-3 fatty acids elevates hdl cholesterol and that's according to 47 studies um it uh, promotes a reduction in blood clots um there's a big meta-analysis involving 16 studies showed that it's uh, omega-3 fatty acid supplementation improves like arterial function and health i mean the list literally goes on i mean even eye health or eye integrity um is um, you know determined by omega three fatty acid profile. It, it literally it can do everything. It's an adaptogen. There's nothing it can't do in the body, provided we get the right source, the right dose, and there's no contamination aligned to it. All right, let's get to some of the questions. Yes, yes. Uh, how good is virgin olive oil? Virgin olive, it's fantastic. It's Thank a, you. but it's a different type of fat. It's an omega six fatty acid. Um, it's something that's very important in your diet, and there's numerous health uh, uh, benefits attributed to, you know, cold-pressed virgin olive oil. And I would certainly uh, keep it in the diet uh, very robustly. Just make sure you don't heat it because it can be a molecular change, and that will negate a lot natural. of the benefits. So if you're going to add olive oil to things, add it at the end once the food's cooked. Well, just uh, use it in your salad dressing. Exactly. But if you, you know, cooking with it's not absolutely ideal. So what about grapeseed oil? It's great. actually one of the best oils to cook with. Because that doesn't denature. We'll do an oil, we'll do an oil show. Let's do a cooking <laughs> we'll, show. Right? No, we'll a cooking show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a cooking show. <laughs> All yeah. right. So uh, thank you very, very much, Richard Sutton. Oh, thanks for having me. Go and check out his website. It's called suttonhealth.co.za. We've been talking about omega-3 fatty acids and uh, great advice there on how to get supplementation so we don't have to worry about it. But if we're taking mm. supplements, do we then need to limit the amount of salmon we're eating? No, I, I don't think there's a, an upper limit. You know, so it, your your fish consumption, you, you you're going to keep it. I wouldn't say minimal, but you're going to be far more. Uh, I can't believe that we shouldn't be eating it more than twice I know, a month. I know, I know. And the the thing is, all the fish cultures, you know, it's what happens be, if it's if it's I don't know. Somehow we could get hold of imported Scottish salmon or Canadian. Wild. 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 Wild salmon's fantastic. Uh, you can eat it freely. It would be on that Good luck 13 trying to, get it. to 36 list. Yeah. You know, but um, we don't have that luxury. Um, we're dependent on farm salmon at the moment. And we just got to have it sparingly. I, I think some of the guidelines are too stringent. I think there's uh, a lot of change in the industry at the moment. And 
it, you, you will find that we can be a little softer on those, on those, uh, prescriptions. So I would say my, you know, in terms of European guidelines, maybe a portion a week of salmon, um, I'd keep tuna down. I actually wouldn't have too much tuna at the moment. Um, and other fishes, just make sure you're getting variety, make sure it's sustainable, um, fishes and supplement, you know, just to, to offset, uh, you know, any deficits or insufficiencies in your diet. Sardines on toast. <laughs> the <laughs> little bit of lemon touch, juice. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, thank you so much, Richard Sutton. Thank Thanks you for, for joining us. And uh, I'll be back with another Discam Medical Monday next Monday at 10 a.m. God bless. Stay well. Until then. Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care.